we're in a, a series, a year-long series called The Year of the Bible. And what we do every week is we take a, a, a story or a theme from the prior week's reading out of the one-year Bible, and uh, we talk about it, share about it, and uh, it's really been, it's been awesome. Um, I know I say it pretty much every week, but every week it's awesome because uh, in case you don't know what the one-year Bible is, it's, it's a reading out of the New Testament, Old Testament, and Psalm and a Proverb. And every day you're, you're able to just follow along in the Bible. You know, a lot of us, I know what we do is we just grab a Bible and we just crack it open. We read two random kind of awkward scriptures that we have no context or understanding about. And then we put it away till the next year, whenever we decide to read again, you know, it's not really doing much for me. It helps if we read it in context. And so that's what we're doing today is uh, we're going to continue doing that. So look, got a question for you. Um, how many of you people are the ones who, whenever you get a new piece of gear or like, you know, maybe it's a piece of furniture or just anything that comes with instructions, you're the person that sits down and actually reads the instructions before you begin to endeavor. A good amount of you, a good amount of you. And uh, I would love to see those of you who are like myself who tend to try to do it the other way, which is, yeah, there we are. There it is, yeah. That's where I think the majority of us are at. It's, um, I'll learn as I go. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just give me, give me like 30 minutes to mess it up real good. Lose half the screws that you need. Those are, what, what are those called? Extra parts. That's what they are. Yes. Don't need those. No, what's this bolt? Oh, we'll put it to the side for later. Right? And then all of a sudden you go to sit in whatever it is that you've made and it, it's just like... And then you spend the next 15 years taking wads of napkins and shoving it underneath the leg just to make it work or whatever the case is. And uh, yeah, that, that's what happens. How great would it be if we would actually start where we're supposed to start, read the instructions, and maybe call tech support about three hours earlier than whenever we decide to? But that's not the way that we operate, right? We want to like try to try to figure it out as, as we go along, and uh, and then we mess it up real good, and that's what we're going to be talking about today: messing it up real good. No, the the subject is surrender, kind of like that moment of I give up, okay, give up, and I surrender because there might be somebody else that has a little bit better understanding of what's going on than me, right? So, uh, so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible or you've got an app or something, you can go there. Again, if you have the Northwood app, you can look up Northwood app. And, and in the first page, you'll see Sunday service info guide. Go there, click on message notes, and you can actually follow along there. Uh, but, but, but either way, 1 Samuel chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And we're actually going to start off by reading verse 2 through 7. And then we'll kind of break into the message from there, okay? So uh, we're going to be learning about a, a woman named Hannah. Hannah, all right? So verse 2, it says this. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina, kind of sounds like a, some food. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. That's a key, key part of this whole story. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. And by the way, that, that was about a 14-mile trip walking 14 miles with your family, riding for an hour in them in a car is hard enough. Imagine walking through the desert with them. It's Mother's Day, we're not supposed to say that, all right? We love, today's one of those days where we love everyone in our family. Like, you know, oh man. So, 
The priests of the Lord of the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And those two guys, by the way, in case you didn't read, they were messed up. Oh, man. They would steal food off the altar. People would go to sacrifice, and they would go steal it because they wanted to, like, roast it a certain way. They're like, oh, man, don't let it burn. Don't let it burn. We got to, like, marinate it, you know. And they did all, I'm telling you, you ought to go read it. It's pretty amazing. But uh, anyway, another story for another day. Verse 4, on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and to each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. I think that's another important point, part is that the, the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah, make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Penina did not have, she was not a very nice person, all right? She would taunt her. She would mock her. Verse 7, year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Hannah was very upset, and, and you know, we kind of, again, scale over the part of she had no children, but especially in this time in history, that really meant you didn't have much of a future. You didn't have much stability, because you would raise your kids, and at some point, your kids would, would raise you. They would, they would help you, right? And, and without that security, uh, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear of the unknown, fear of the future, and there was no stability in her life. And so that, that, it's not just a small thing. That was a big thing. She was barren. She couldn't have children. And, and so it was bad enough that the Lord was not giving her children, but on top of that, she had this wonderful you know, person next to her that would remind her about it, make fun of her and taunt her. Uh, can you imagine the amount of uh, just insecurity that she was dealing with and the frustration she was dealing with? And then in verse nine, this is what we see. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. And we're gonna get there in a second. But you see where she says this, she's in anguish and she, she's, she's bitterly crying out to the Lord. And what I wanna do right here is I wanna stop because before she cries out to the Lord, there's a lot of things that are happening. And there's a lot of things that happen in us whenever we, we believe that God has given us a dream or a goal, right? We believe that God has put something inside of us. And whenever we don't see that thing coming true, we don't see it progressing. It's where disappointment begins to kind of find its way in. Disappointment. And at first, I believe that Hannah really wanted a kid because she wanted a kid. She wanted a child. But I think that at some point, her motives changed from I want a child to I want a child because of something else. Like I believe that her motives changed because it, whenever, whenever you have a goal and there's disappointment that gets in the way, a lot of times there's traps that come into play. And some of those traps look like insecurity or pride or selfish ambition. You know, because if I've got a goal and I can't accomplish it or it's not happening, all of a sudden I start getting insecure about that and now I just want people to see that, that like I have value. I start wanting to prove to somebody something. Insecurity is one of those motivations and one of those traps. And insecurity finds its way in and before you know it, you're living a life of insecurity and you don't even know it. And insecurity, 
it sounds so innocent in a way, right? It sounds like usually if you're an insecure person, you're somebody that kind of, kind of sinks to the background or isolates yourself. But sometimes insecurity causes you to do other things. And I can only imagine the amount of insecurity that Hannah was dealing with. Now, Hannah could blame it upon Penina, right? I mean, she was obviously a mean person. She was mocking this woman because she couldn't have kids. She had no sort of sensitivity training whatsoever. Her people's skills were nil. <laughs> she was just mean. And it was just day after day, this, this getting pushed around, year after year, by the way. This wasn't like a six month thing. This was year after year. She made that trip over and over and every year she was reminded that she still didn't have a kid. And then that begins to produce something else. It begins to produce pride and selfish ambition. Because I think that, that at some point, Hannah started wanting to have a kid, not for security reasons, but to prove something to somebody. I think that at some point she wanted to have a child so that way she could finally look at Penina and it would shut her up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Maybe you've been there before where, where you've tried over and over to accomplish something. Maybe it's something that God put in your heart. I mean, I believe that it was God's will that Hannah would have, have a child. I believe that was, that's how he made it. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That was a command, something that he put on all of humanity to go and be fruitful and multiply. And here she is in a place where she can't for whatever reason. And then she begins to try to prove herself. Selfish ambition. Sometimes it's not always fueled out of just wanting to do something really great. Sometimes it's fueled out of trying to prove something to somebody. Maybe you found yourself there before. Again, it's a dream that maybe God even put inside of you, but then you get off base and begin to find yourself in a place where you're just trying to do something that matters. And then you get off from trying to please God, right? I'm gonna please God. And then it's like, I'm not even trying to please God anymore. I'm trying to prove something to somebody. We can be in a church and be spreading the gospel, right? We can be helping people, but in some weird way, that goal of that dream turns into trying to prove something to somebody else or another church or whoever to where we don't even really truly love people anymore. We're just doing that to, to, to well, take a good Instagram photo. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Right, it's like, People are serving and you're like in the corner, like looking just for that perfect, like I gotta get the name of the organization in the background. You know what I'm talking about? This will really give me some cred. But you get off of this thing, this dream that God's given you and you begin to try to please people or prove something to people. And it's a trap. It's a trap. And the Bible has a few things to say about this. A few things to say. Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's Galatians 1.10. And these, we don't have these scriptures up here, but Matthew 6.1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward for your father from your father who is in heaven. 
I just want to prove something to somebody. I was watching a Shark Tank last night, uh, and, and like, they could just do season after season, season, and I will continue to watch that show. It's so good, right? But this past season, they started highlighting some of these sharks. They started highlighting their life and how they were raised up, which if you haven't seen it, man, it's, it really is fabulous. It's fabulous to see somebody who maybe even moved to America, had nothing, come up and, man, really do something with their life. But, but they did it on uh, Barbara. And uh, this is what she said. She said being raised up, she just always felt like she was stupid. And I can't remember if it was people that told her and what it was, but, but in her mind, she was just stupid. And she said this, and it with tears in her eyes. She said, my whole life, now it's all about proving to them that I'm not stupid. And in one sense, that's really noble. And that sounds, I mean, it, it has driven her to a place of success and prominence. But you know, that's really not a good motive. Your motive is so important. It shows a lot about yourself. It shows a lot about your relationship with God. It shows a lot about your confidence in God. It shows a lot about the health that you, that you are, how healthy you are. What's motivating you? What was motivating Hannah to want a kid? Because at some point she was in a place of anguish and she was actually becoming bitter. I think at some point she wasn't really seeking God anymore. Come on, y'all with me? She wasn't seeking God anymore. She was seeking to prove something. And all of a sudden what started as a, a good goal, a good dream, has now manifest and turned itself into something that's becoming sinful. And it happens with us a lot. I have a goal to get my, you know, my family to this. Like, like I want my marriage to be healthy, but why? Like, I wanna be in this type of house, but why? I, I, you know what I'm saying? Do you ever actually ask questions about your motivations? Because if not, we could simply find ourselves in this place of pride, selfish ambition very easily not even know it, and actually have scriptures to support our ambition. These are traps. It's all fueled by disappointment. If you've ever been disappointed, if you've ever tried something over and over and over, and you kept falling, you kept failing, you probably felt some of these things right here. You know, it's Mother's Day today, and I can't help but think some of you moms today, maybe this is a place or a day where you feel a little bit regret you feel like maybe I could have done better, right? Like I, I should have raised my kids better or maybe you're in the process right now of raising your kids and raising your family and it's so difficult not to compare yourself to other people, especially in the day of social media, it's out of control. You think that you're supposed to be something and maybe that is something that God put in your heart to be a, a certain type of mom, right? And, and reach certain goals and do certain things. But whenever you can't attain those, or maybe it's a short burst, right? Like, okay, so this week I'm starting this with my kids. We kind of did that recently, chores. We're gonna start and we're gonna do this. And at the end of the week, she's gonna get a reward for her doing her chores. And I think we made it three weeks, right? <clears throat> we'll get it going this week again, but... It might be something as simple as that, but, or it might be something much greater than that. Maybe your children, is, they're, they're struggling in school. And what's happening is you're, this, this goal, which is to raise up kids and to, to raise them in a, in a place of wisdom, as the Bible, you know, in biblical principles, and you find yourself in a place where you're struggling. 
And then you begin to compare yourself. And now it's not about raising kids who love God. It's about raising kids who love God in order to prove your worth as a mother. It's a trap. Getting away from where, like from the, from the center. James 3.16 says this, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will, you will find disorder and every kind of evil. I'm telling you guys, selfish ambition and pride, no matter what the source, they're traps. They're traps. Come on, am I, am I living a life of insecurity or pride or selfish ambition? The problem is this though, but I, I, I'm still disappointed. I'm still disappointed. Like the goal, the dream that I had, I still am not seeing the results. So I'm still in a place of disappointment. And this is where the moments show up where we say things like, why God? This is where the why God moments start. This is where there's such frustration and such disappointment that we begin to, we have to blame somebody. We have to, we have to carry out our disappointment on somebody and we begin to blame God. It happens all the time. Why God? And really, I wanna say something that's pretty heavy. It's really a struggle between the supremacy of God and the supremacy of man. Now go with me here, y'all. A lot of times we hit walls we hit situations, whether it's our fault or not. And we get to a place where when we begin to question God in a way that says, why God? We begin to question his direction, whatever it is that's taking place. At that point, really, we're getting into an area where we're questioning whether God is supreme or we are supreme. Is God supreme or is my plan supreme? Because what if the goal, the dream that I have isn't really what God has? Is that okay? Like, is he still God in my life? Is he still a loving God? See, we make all these plans, right? And we should, but it says that God directs our steps. That in the end, it's really God's plan. It's God's supremacy that outweighs our plan and what we think should happen. This right here is not very popular because it, it really, there, there is hope in God. There is joy, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. But a lot of times we correlate joy and strength and all these things with getting our way. We're Americans, right? That's what we do. I mean, things are good when I'm getting what I want. And God is good when I'm getting what I want. But what happens when I, when I don't get what I want? Is God still good? These are hard questions to ask, but is God still good? And I wanna make a statement. We want God to change our problems when God is actually using our problems to change us. This is a big perspective shift for, for a lot of you in this room right now. You see a situation, you see, I can't have a kid, right? Hannah, I'm, she's barren. You see, I can't accomplish this. I, I've been trying very hard, I can't accomplish it. You see it as God needs to, to do it or, or change it whenever really God's working something in you. I believe that if Hannah would have had a kid at this point when she was bitter and angry, I believe that she would have made some mistakes. I believe that she would have fallen into full pride. She would have pointed her finger at Penina. It would have been her. See what I'm saying? Because she would have done it. And just personally, I just believe that maybe God was just hesitating just a little bit. 
Maybe he was hesitating just a little bit to produce something in her. And today, many of you, you've been in this place where I'm talking about for a long time. You've been in this place for a long time and you're frustrated, you're angry, and you've been saying, why God? I look at them and they got everything they want. They prayed and it happened. What about me? When am I gonna get mine? When am I gonna have my moment? But are you, are you looking inside and saying, what is God doing in me? What is God producing in me? I've been in this place many times in my life where isn't it so easy to blame shift on somebody else, right? You, you look at somebody, a situation's happening between you and somebody else, and, and, and it's so easy to give them full responsibility of why that's taking place. But sometimes you got to look inwardly and say, yeah, I had, I had a part to play with that too. Sometimes in our walk with God and in these situations, we got to look at ourselves and say, God, what are you doing in me? Because God's promise to you isn't that he'll make your situation go away, but that he'll bring you through it. Some of you, the situation that you're in, it might never change. It might not change. You may never see that victory that you're praying for right now. And you know, God didn't promise that he'll remove everything out of every obstacle out of your way all the time. And is that okay? This is, this is hard stuff right here, but it's biblical. God will bring us through it. But here's the deal. Have I set up a dark enough scenario for you guys yet? Yeah? I am not glad that I came to church today. <laughs> Want to go back home, warm up that food. It's in the crock pot. It was smelling nice when I left, and now I'm not feeling so good. This is where the story pivots, though. This is where the story changes, because like I said, in verse 9 and 10, she was in a place of anguish and bitter, bitterness. But then, like I was saying earlier, she, at this point, she kind of reaches for the instructions. You know what I'm talking about? She kind of makes that final call to tech support. It's like, I don't know what's going on. She's throwing the chair around the room, looking at those extra pieces, saying, why? Verse 11 but then she called out to the Lord and she made this vow. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. What happens? She finally breaks. And when she says, I will give him back to you, what she has done is she has surrendered that thing, that, that goal, that dream, that child, she has surrendered that to God's will. This is the moment that the story changes. This is it. She surrenders. And surrender requires a few things. Number one, surrender requires sacrifice. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Talking to God, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. See, a lot of us, we wanna circumvent the life of sacrifice. And in our walks with God and in this, this Christianity thing, we want this to not cost us anything. We really don't. We, we, we don't want to sacrifice. Sacrifice is not uh, like a staple of the American culture that we live in, am I right? It's not. We don't wanna sacrifice, but God says, I desire you to sacrifice. Now, I desire obedience. We just read that today. 
But sacrifice is a, is a component that must be in play. And I got a question, are you willing to sacrifice your dream? Are you willing to sacrifice that goal that you've made? Here's the, I'm gonna give you the end of sacrifice. God's not always gonna take it from you, okay? God's not always gonna take it. Think about Abraham. Think about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah wanted a child. They couldn't have a son. And at some point, Sarah said, hey, take Hagar, my maidservant, and have a, have a kid with her. Y'all know that kid's name, right? Ishmael. They, they, they tried to circumvent God's will, God's plan, because it was taking too long, and they ended up producing something that was outside of God's will, and it produced a lot of pain and anguish. They got an Ishmael. God wanted them to have an Isaac. He's like, wait, and what did God do? He ended up saying, I want you to take Isaac and go and sacrifice him on a mountain, which today you'd go to jail for that, all right? Even saying that, you're, that's it, you're done, all right? But God told him to do it. And right before he was about to sacrifice his son, God stopped the whole process and said, I see that your faith is real, that you really are surrendering everything to me, even this dream, even this goal. And I'm telling you, some of you in this place, you've been fighting, you've been trying to make it happen. But the whole problem is that you haven't started on square one, which is, are you willing to sacrifice that if God so wills? Are you willing to put that dream to the side if he calls you to do that? Some of you, it's not a thing. Some of you, it's just your heart. It's your life. Are you willing to submit your career? Are you willing to do it? The second thing that it requires is humility. Surrender requires humility. Matthew 23, 12. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, in God's economy, everything's different. Everything's different. The first will be last. Last will be first. The, the humble get exalted. The people that try to exalt themselves, they get humbled. It's just the way it works. God messes with us so much in that. Humility really submits. Humility submits. Are you willing to submit your dream? Are you willing to submit that dream that you feel that God's put in you even? Because maybe he did, but maybe he's working some things out of you or in you that needs to happen in order for that next step to take place. But are you willing to submit that dream? Or are you, are you gonna get prideful in that dream and prideful in that goal? Because let me tell you something, if you're operating in pride and you're trying to accomplish something that God put inside of you, it's gonna take a long time, long time. Because if you, he gives you that, what's gonna happen? You're gonna puff up. You're gonna puff up and it's gonna be all about you. God's, his desire is a broken and a contrite heart, a heart of humility. The next thing that surrender produces is security. And the reason, this one's a little bit different. It produces security because we think that security pro produces surrender or precedes surrender, but it's actually surrender that precedes security. You see, if it comes to a dream that God's put in you or maybe it's a financial goal or something like that, we wanna get secure in that and then we'll surrender. The, the, the easiest way to put it is money. Easiest way when it comes to, to, to tithing and, and offerings, it's let me get to a place in my finances where then once I'm secure, I'll begin to give to God, right? Like let me get to a place of stability and then at some point I'll start doing it because we think that security proceeds surrender. That's so why a lot of people want to get all cleaned up before they come to God because they think that being clean makes them righteous and they have to do that before they come to God. 
It's the same mindset, cart before the horse. Whenever really it's surrender that produces security, just like it's surrender to God that produces righteousness. It's the same exact pattern. Surrender is a key element in our relationship with God, key. Because many of us are looking for security, but the question is, are you willing to trust God with your dream? Are you, are you willing to trust God even whenever all your addition and your mathematics and all of your planning don't seem to work in that vein? Are you willing to still say, God, I give it to you? This is what Hannah decides to do. She, she decides to surrender this goal, surrender this dream, surrender this thing to God. And it's amazing in verse 12, it says this, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli, the high priest, which really represents God, watched her. I'm telling you, at the moment that you surrender, at the moment that that thing changes, God is activated. Surrender turns ahead of God, I'm telling you. There's a lot of people with a lot of dreams and a lot of plans, but it's never blessed, it's never favored by God. Why? Maybe. Maybe, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is always the case, but maybe there's an element in there where it's not been fully surrendered. Maybe that's one of the components that needs to unlock that thing, that dream, that favor. But I do have a question for each of you. I want you right now, just like to, in your head, picture that dream or that goal that you've had. Maybe that, that, that next step that you've really been trying very hard to attain. All of us have got them. If you don't, you need to have something, right? We should have vision in life. We should have some next steps that we're shooting for, growing as people. But whatever it is, maybe it's a family thing, maybe it's a job thing, school thing, maybe it's you know moving forward and, and getting your master's or whatever that dream is. Maybe it's moving up in your company. I wanna ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but why do you wanna accomplish that? Why? What's motivating you? What is that fuel that's in the engine that every day you get up and you're like, I gotta do this. Like, I've got to accomplish this. What is it that's fueling you? Our motivations are so important. The Bible talks about it, it says that God tests our hearts. He wants to see what's really going on. What is motivating us to do something? You got that answer? By the way, you don't have to say it, but. What's that goal? What's, 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 what's motivating me? And really the question is, what's the goal of a life that's surrendered to God? Well, here's the goal. Here's, the, here's where everything comes to a point is that a surrendered life is to ultimately bring glory to God. When you really boil it down, when you really boil it down, your life, your goal, the motivation that's inside of you should be to ultimately bring glory to God. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I doubt very seriously that most people in this room, and I'll, I'll raise my hand. Hey, I had a little preparation time before I got here, so I was able to change my answer internally, right? <laughs> had nothing to do with bringing glory to God. It had something to do with having a good family, which is good. It had something to do with being able to provide for for someone, it had, it, and those are all, all noble, but when you really boil it down, shouldn't it be, like the Bible says, everything you do, do for the glory of God? Should it be, why do you want a good marriage? 
Is it so you can like prove that you have a good marriage just to people so they can look and be like, you know what? I've always wanted a marriage like theirs. Is that motivating you? Selfish ambition, pride. Why do you want your business to explode? Why do you want it to explode? What's the goal? Make a bunch of money? That's good. I think we should all have money, okay? We need it. It's kind of important. But, but is it status? Pride. What is it that's fueling you when you really boil it down? It's kind of like what the Bible says whenever we go to heaven and we walk through the gates of heaven. It's gonna, I picture it like this, like a wall of fire, okay? And we walk through that and anything that didn't matter is gonna be burnt up. Like it's gonna just disintegrate. And I think the things that disintegrate are the selfish ambition. It was the status. It was the whatever. All the, all the other answers other than, man, I want God to be glorified. All those other answers are gonna get burnt up. Hannah, I believe, had she not had this moment, God would have never been able to use her and she wouldn't be in the Bible right now. God would have found somebody else, right? Do y'all believe that? Like there, there's, there's times where that's, that's happened. There's times, I think that one of the greatest, the greatest illustrations is Billy Graham. Whenever he said, uh, he was praying to God one day and I, I can't remember how, what his prayers were, but at some point God told him, yeah, you were my second choice. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, who is the first? We don't know, we'll never know. But I have a feeling that if that person would have been on the stage that he was on, that maybe it would have been a black eye to the kingdom of God. Whether he failed or whether he would have done something, like we see a lot of, a lot of things happen nowadays, that would have damaged the kingdom of God. And, and God said, you know what? This guy speaks better. Like this guy has, has a silver tongue, he's more gifted but this guy surrendered, I'm gonna use him. And in this room today, I think it's a good question to ask. What's motivating you? What's motivating you to want to, to fulfill those dreams? But it's a very important last statement here, 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28. Hannah says this, I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving unto the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. They, all of them, worship the Lord there. If the goal of your life isn't ultimately to bring glory to God, then we can argue that it isn't a life that's surrendered to God. I'm telling you right now, in this room, if the goal of your life, the goal of your dreams isn't to, 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 to be surrendered and submitted to God in order for him to be glorified, we've got to check ourselves. And right now, I want to give everybody an opportunity to start from square one, and it's with this. You gotta submit your heart. You gotta submit your life before anything else. All those goals, all those ambitions that you have, first thing is, God, am I surrendered to you? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? Many of you in this place, you're in the struggle. Again, you're trying very hard to make it happen, but that first key component hasn't taken place. You haven't reached that moment of surrender. You haven't had that moment where you truly said, God, I give it to you. And right now, many of you, it's time today for that to take place. It's time today for you to, to give your life to God and surrender it to him. And in a moment, I'm not gonna ask you to come up to the front of the room. I will not embarrass you, but I am gonna ask you to do one thing and that's to raise your hand. Cause there's something about admitting to God that Lord, I need you right now. 
So if that's you and you're in this place and you wanna surrender your life to God, would you go ahead and raise your hand right now? Come on, all over the room. Yeah. Come on, keep raising them up. All over the room, right here, man, I see you. Come on in the middle. All over, right here up in the front, I see you. Come on, who else? Just go ahead and lift it high. Right here, I see you, ma'am. Brother, ma'am, over here, I see you. Right here in the middle, I see you, man. Come on, who else? Anybody else? Right back here in the back. Over here on the side. It's a great moment. It's a great moment. So what we're gonna do, I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I want you to cry out to your God. I want you to engage with your God and I want you to repent of your sin, turn from your wicked ways and grab a hold of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we all come before you right now. And God, God, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you, Father. I put my confidence to you today, God, that you, are, that you will save me, that you will, will redeem me, that you will take the broken things that I have and you will convert them into something that's useful for your kingdom. God, I give you my effort. I give you my failures, my successes, everything. And God, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sin. God, help me. Give me the power I need to turn from my wicked ways, Jesus. I confess you right now. I believe in you and I receive you into my life. Would you change me from the inside out from this moment forward? I am something different. I am somebody different. I have value. I have power. I have all that I need to accomplish what God has called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give it up for those who gave the hearts to God today? Look, a lot of you gave your hearts to God today. Some of you I've seen, you've been coming to the church for a long time and today you finally, finally raised your hand. I wanna encourage you right now that that was not a flippant decision. That was not a moment that you just said, yeah, I think, yeah. No, that was a course correction. That was a change in your life. This is not a religious experience. This means something. And right now, this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. You could text SAVE to 51660. And in that, we're also gonna reach out to you, send you a link that's got some other links in it, uh, take some next steps for you as well. Uh, but the, the whole point of that is to, to you know, extend our hand to you and say, hey, we wanna come alongside you and help you. And, uh, and we'd hope that you'd let us do that. But uh, I will say this, um, if you're here today and you're not a part of a church, Maybe you made that decision and you're not from around here, or maybe this just isn't your thing, this isn't your style. None of that matters. Look, I want you to find a church in your city, wherever you're from. Maybe it's in this city, you, just, you know somebody else, and you're like, that's where I wanna put roots down in. Would you go there and would you actually put roots down, get to know some people, get into small groups, go to a church that teaches Jesus in a life-giving way to where when you go and you hear the gospel, it encourages and it empowers you to go out and live for God. Go find a church that does that and, and sink your roots in it. Like plan to die there. Like I'm talking those type of roots. You know what I'm saying? Like, like seriously, like, like if I had to, I would stay here forever. I'm talking those type of roots, man, because those matter, amen?